Hi folks, before we start the podcast, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we would really love you to join us on Patreon. It would really help us keep things going. And for that, at the moment, we've already this week put out podcasts with Gareth Noble on the special education centres and the scandal that that was and how quickly it seems to have gone away because it was, as Gareth said, unconstitutional. Uh, John Schwartz from The Intercept joined us to talk about life in America's culture of ultraviolence. Uh, Rory had a conversation with former housing special rapporteur in the UN, Lilani Farah, who long-time listeners will know is a fabulous advocate for the right to housing and how it will operate globally. And there's also one of those patron exclusives that I can't ever lift the paywall for because, uh, look, we just discuss Ireland's defamation laws and how it stifles a lot of conversations. All of those are available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise and it's the first of the month. So if you sign up now, you get a full month's access, no contract, you can cancel at the end, but you get to see what it, what other additional content you get, how quickly we turn it around and access to all of the podcasts without having to listen to these, please. It would be great if, you, if lots of you could join us because honestly, it's been a struggle. Uh, there's no two ways about it it's been a struggle i understand there's a cost of living crisis out there and we appreciate everybody who supports us but uh this uh likes and retweets and and shares unfortunately don't pay bills uh once more that's patreon.com forward slash tortoise and have a listen to this fabulous conversation between dr vicky conway and liam herrick of the irish councils for civil liberties thanks for the support <laughs> Hi and welcome to this episode of Police the Beat with me, Dr. Vicky Conway. Um, I'm delighted to be joined today by Liam Herrick, Executive Director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, to discuss the proposals that have been making the news this week um, around Angar Siakona using facial recognition technology. Um, so thanks very much for joining us, Liam, to talk about this. Great to be with you, Vicky. So can you could you maybe start by explaining to us what facial recognition technology is and how it works? Yeah, I mean, it, it probably covers a, a number of, of different things uh, and different types of uses, but a facial recognition system is technology capable of matching an individual human face from a digital image or a video recording against a database of faces. Um, so... It begins with the capturing of a facial image through a photograph or a video, and it can be captured in lots of different ways. And uh, as everybody knows, that there is a lot of public cameras, a lot of private cameras. Um, and after the face is detected, there's a number of different things that can happen. First of all, it can be matched uh, by a device against another stored image to check if it's the same person. This is a little bit like um, what people experience at an airport. So essentially at an airport, the camera at the desk is comparing the photograph it takes of your face now at this moment with the photograph that's in your biometric passport. And it then just ticks a green box to say these are the two, th th these two images of the same person. Um, but it can also be compared that your face and the photograph of your face can be compared against a database of faces, which could be involving millions of different people. And um, some countries where they've used this technology have bought databases from private companies. We might come to the problems with that in a while. And other countries have um, used databases such as has been compiled uh, from driver's licenses, um, so existing databases and matched through that. 
Um, it's also possible using facial recognition technology to categorize faces. So um, machines can tell or they can guess. They may not be accurate. Uh, things like your age, your gender, your ethnicity. Um, and also, there are new technologies which would attribute um, some characteristics in terms of your face and your emotional expression. So there is a science of trying to use these images and make assessments about personality, mood, mental health, um, and so on, you know. And there's even more science fiction-y kind of ideas about maybe being able to make inferences about people's sexuality or political beliefs or the likelihood that they might uh, commit crime. So th there's, a, there's a lot of different potential uses that it can be put to. But the in the essence, it's about matching your face by uh, making a computerized uh, biometric assessment of your face and comparing it to an image or a database. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the tagging system on Facebook or one of these things where they can suggest who the people are in a <laughs> in a photograph that you put up online. Well, I mean that that is that is one such system, and that yeah. is a facial recognition system, and it, it, it's it's a good example in the sense that what Facebook did, I and mean, Facebook has the technology to um, make a biometric analysis of your image, your face in your photograph. But then it was also comparing that to databases that, in this case, it bought from a company called Clearview Artificial Intelligence. Um, but these commercially generated databases have been hugely problematic because what this company essentially was doing was scraping images from the Internet, from social media and other sources, and building up databases in this way, behaving essentially illegally by stealing people's personal data. And there's been lawsuits against them in, in all sorts of different parts of the world, including a fine imposed by the UK authorities this week. Um, so Facebook got dragged into all of this and uh, announced that it was going to delete a lot of its databases, which have been compiled illegally. So that, that, that's a, an example of one of the problems that comes from the, the database end. There's a set of legal and human rights issues around the database part of it, and there's a set of human rights and legal problems around the tracking of images across space and time. Okay, so before we get into the concerns, maybe let's just contextualize it. So what is it planned that the guards will be doing? Well, that, that Vicky, is the million-dollar question. Um, it, I mean, th this is a really... A uh, strange situation to be in, and it's and it's certainly far from ideal in terms of knowing what is being proposed. So what's happened this week is let's go back a second. First of all, there is a guarded guarded digital recording bill which is currently before the Oireachtas. So the Minister for Justice, the Department of Justice, have been working on, and I know you've talked about these in the podcast. Three very significant pieces of legislation are being considered at the moment: the Guard of Powers Bill. The police community uh, and safe police security and community safety bill and the guarded digital recordings bill are there and being considered in the normal proper way and um, the guarded digital recordings bill has a lot of stuff in there about cctv surveillance body-worn cameras and so on and it doesn't make any specific provision for facial recognition technology and the data protection commission has expressed the view that actually 
you couldn't use that bill in its current form to justify a system of facial recognition technology. So that's kind of the background. Out of nowhere this week, the Minister for Justice announced an intention to also introduce uh, legal provisions for facial recognition technology. But in so doing, she'd published absolutely no detail. You know, so that, that she gave a speech at the Guard Representative Association on Tuesday, fairly sketchy details. That was briefed to a few journalists. They haven't even put any detail up on her website. So we're a little bit in the dark about exactly what she's proposing, except that she said it will have all the benefits of uh, catching bad people and so on, and it will have no downsides. But it's impossible to test those things because there's there's nothing really being um you know, printed or put a, put forward for us. And on something as important as this, that's just not really acceptable. But I, I assume that what will happen is that in the coming months, the minister will bring forward some amendments and then we'll all get a chance to, you know, shake them up and down and, and unpick them. And, uh, you know, the Oireachtas Committee will have a chance to have a look at them too. So it, it's it's a bit hard to know exactly what's on the table yet. So what is it that the ICCL is concerned about in terms of the use of uh, facial recognition technologies? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, it, it's it's far from just the ICCL. You know, I mean, in an, in an Irish context, um, you know, the ICCL and Digital Rights Ireland are going to strongly oppose these proposals. And we're also confident that there'll be very strong political opposition and very strong public opposition. But in a in a global context, um, we're part of a global coalition that is resisting facial recognition use by police all over the world. Um, a lot of cities in the United States have banned police use of CCTV, including San Francisco, which is where a lot of the technology actually comes from. And the European Data Protection Board and Data Protection Supervisor, so the highest regulator in Europe for data protection, also recommended that there be a ban on police use in public spaces of um, of facial recognition technology. So, you know, there is a lot of opposition before we start. The, the, the issue really, I suppose, to try to simplify what is a, a technical kind of enough question is that the power of this technology is that it would allow the police to track an individual moving through a public space or across a number of different sites, if it's combined with CCTV, which we assume is part of what will be proposed here, either in real time or retrospectively. And that power is wide open for abuse. The European Data Protection Board likened it, and the analogy it made was that um, it essentially is reducing the human face, which is a unique identifier, which is intrinsically linked to your individual identity. It's reducing that to being treated the same way as we treat car license plates through number plate recognition technology. So people will be familiar that either the guards or uh, tolling companies, for example, on the motorways on the M50, that, that they have technology that reads your number plate and matches it to a database and checks that it's the same car. Um, it's effectively doing the same thing with human faces. So it's a profound and fundamental attack, I suppose, on individual privacy and individual dignity. But the power of this is it can have a really detrimental effect on freedom of movement, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, because it can track who you're meeting with, 
if you're taking part in a protest and so on. And and this isn't an abstract or theoretical problem. This is how this technology is used in many parts of the world, notably in authoritarian countries like China and so on, but increasingly in the United States and in the United Kingdom as well. So that is, I suppose, the democratic problem with it. Um, The databases also um, create a lot of problems. First of all, there's a problem about how they're compiled and the dangers that are associated with the guards or any police service compiling a database of everybody's faces. Um, But in practice, the way that they have been compiled tends to bring with it inherent biases. And also, they're not always very accurate. So we've had a lot of false positives where people have been wrongly accused. But I mean, they are questions of technical detail that perhaps maybe could be worked out over time. But even in the most perfect system, we would see it as being far too powerful and open to abuse by any police service. And that that is why there's such a strong resistance to its use in this way. Because, I mean, I think anytime you're talking about police creating databases, I mean, like I am thinking a lot even of DNA databases and the point that if your DNA sample is being held, that every time a a sample that's been taken from a crime scene is being run through that database, you're effectively almost a suspect um, because your your data is being considered in that moment. And I suppose there's something similar with this, isn't it, that, you know, every time they're they're running through that database, um, in effect, the, the police's computer systems are considering whether you are involved in this activity. Yeah, and, and I think the fear here is, is that there's potentially far more personal knowledge that can be generated here, you know, about where you are at particular points in time, um, which the ability of a police service to track the public's movements, uh, it's not hard to imagine a myriad range of um, of areas where this could be misused. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, there were statements from the Guard Representative Association, and in fairness, like, this isn't their proposal. They're only reacting to this like everybody else is. But when some of the concerns were put to them this week, they said, well, look, the public can be assured that we wouldn't ever use these, this information or data inappropriately. Um, but in the real world, you know, that's that's not how these things tend to play out. And, um, you know, in an Irish context, being frank about it, when we look at the guards' record in terms of data protection, of surveillance, of data retention, um, you know, it's not good to say the least of it. Um, there are real structural problems in how they store and use personal information. And in that context, you know, uh, it is reckless, and I wouldn't put it stronger than that, to be talking about using um, a way more powerful, highly controversial technology when there's a whole lot of problems about what they're doing at the moment with things like CCTV and databases, as you say. Yeah, and I, I suppose say a myriad of things can come to your head and how even, I suppose, what would be referred to in the literature, you know, um, bent for the job, like it being used inappropriately, but for the best of reasons, but also potentially what's called bent for self, that, you know, an individual officer accesses information about an ex or a partner or, yeah. you know, in so many ways it can be abused. 
Yeah, it, and, and you know, no, nobody's saying that that will be widespread or anything. Yeah. But we know that that has happened with existing technology. We know what happens in every police service. The power that that has, the potential abuse, the chilling effect that has on people. For example, the chilling effect on people to take part in protests when when they, they are aware um, that that it can be used in such a way. And like, in that, there's an examples of that. For example, in Kenya and in Colombia, um, where the police announce that they are going to use facial recognition cameras around protests with the aim of discouraging and dissuading people from attending and taking part in the protest, you know, like deliberately setting about to chill freedom of association and freedom of assembly. Um, nobody's saying that that would be the malign intent here, but it is certainly uh, part of, of, of the potential problem for this. Um, you know, so... I, I think that this would be a significant mistake here. Um, but it, it, it's kind of curious, I think, to us and ICCL where this is coming from at this particular point in time. And, and that, 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 that is maybe more of a political question, but, um, it is, I suppose, interesting at the same time. Yeah. Because as you said, you know, that the GRA weren't exactly asking for this. So you kind of wonder where the, as I say, where the impetus is coming from for it. It, it, it is hard to kind of figure out, you know, um, because as I said, like there, there are moves at a European level to try to include a ban on police use of FRT uh, through the um, artificial intelligence laws that are currently being drafted. So there is a, a European movement to do that. Some European countries do have some use of this. A lot are moving away from it. So it's very likely that there will be a European law dimension here that the government would have to engage with at some point. Um, it, it, it seems that they may, may, may have been some, um, discussions with the data protection commission already at some early phases. None of that is public and none of it is known. Um, but, but I, I do think we can, you know, make some analogies with other areas of privacy and data protection policy and law uh, and how the government is engaged with that. So I suppose what's well known to, most Irish observers is the controversy that's arised around the uh, Graham Dwyer case and the question of data retention. And in, in that case, what it boils down to is the fact that an Irish law from 2011 allowing the guards to retain records was found to be in violation of European law in 2014 and nothing was done to fix that problem in the intervening years. You know, that, that is really at the root of the problem in the Dwyer case. Um, and there has been reports recently that the Department of Justice intends to bring forward new legislation to remedy this problem. And it seems to have all of the same errors. So, you know, there is a problem about whether the Irish government fully accepts and understands that it needs to be compliant with European law in the area of surveillance. That's data retention. In terms of data protection around CCTV, the Data Protection Commission has had to initiate a number of different investigations into Garda use and has made findings that the guards don't seem to have even a fundamental attempt to act in compliance with the European Law Enforcement Directive. You know, so we are coming from a situation where there's a very deep problem with the commitment of the justice agency of the state to be in compliance with European law. 
And in that context, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they would be thinking about advancing something like this, even though there's very big legal problems with it. And I'm imagining this is also technology that, you know, could be intersected with other data that might be available. I know there's been some controversy about leap cards and the data can be gathered with that, that you can start to combine all of this and really um, gather insane amounts of information about someone, couldn't you? Well, th- that does raise the big question about um, what database are they going to use? Mm. I mean, uh, you see, it's it's hard to really know from what the minister said this week. She said there's going to be no mass surveillance, but like I'm not aware of any system of police use of, of facial recognition technology that didn't involve an element of mass surveillance. Um, you know, if you did the airport type check, which is that you want to try to introduce a type of technology where you can compare a photograph of somebody in front of you with another photograph of them. Uh, it's hard to imagine what the guards would make use of that. That'd be one thing. But if you were talking about, you know, t- taking a photograph of an individual and comparing to a database, then you have to get the database from somewhere. Now, there were previously some media reports that the guards or members of the guards have used Clearview artificial intelligence data. Um, but the guards have never confirmed or denied that. It was reported in BuzzFeed last year. So that's one possibility. The the other uh, possibility has been, of course, the, the infamous uh, public service card uh, slash driving license slash passport databases, which certainly do exist, and whether they might try to make use of those. Now, th- there would be very clear legal obstacles in them doing that. Um, but whether that's a, a, an idea that somebody has in their head or not, it's really hard to tell. Um, so I, I think we'll, we'll just need to see. But you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the combining of databases would be hugely problematic here. Um, but given the level of CCTV usage, I think anything that introduce a level of facial recognition technology to existing CCTV capacity would really present a real democratic crisis in terms of the power that we give the guards to track individuals. And I think that that's really our main fear here. And as you're talking about it, I mean, it strikes me that this isn't something that you can introduce and just say, we'll put proper safeguards and oversight in place. Like it would be incredibly hard to oversee the use of this and to ensure that it's always been done in a human rights compliant manner, if that was even possible in the first place. Well, I mean, I think as a starting point, you'd need to have confidence that you had those oversight and safeguard mechanisms in place and that they were working well at the moment. That definitely is not the case. The Data Protection Commission has found that. There's another interesting point about this, which I know is something that that you've picked up on previously, Vicky, about the the proposed legislation that's going through, um, which is this idea of codes of practice, you know, um, I was on the Claire Byrne program with Jim McCallan this week and Jim said, well, look, we'll just ensure that we have a proper statutory basis for everything we do. But actually, the Garda Digital Recordings Bill currently provides that there won't be statutes underpinning a lot of what the guards do in this area. There'll be codes of practice that the guards will develop themselves about mm-hmm. how they use CCTV and so on. So, you know, there may very well not be legal safeguards. There'll be codes of practice that the guards will set up. Um, so there won't be a proper legal framework for this. I think it's difficult to have confidence 
in the Garda oversight capacity in this area. But in any case, there's a much more basic question about whether this is a good thing to do, you know, if it's a, a necessary or proportionate thing to do. Uh, and I think that that's really where we need to focus on, not trying to mitigate the, the damage and the harm once it's in place. Because if such a system as this is put in place, it's it, it's not going to be easy to reverse it, no. you know. And civil liberties activists often get get accused of being alarmist or talking about dystopi- dystopian futures. But this is not science fiction. We can look at countries such as Hong Kong and so on. And, and what governments do with this technology. And you don't have to believe that our government is as bad and cynical as that government is um, to appreciate the risks and dangers that are intrinsic here, you know? Uh, and, and I mean, uh, the UK is certainly going down this road. At the same time, it's trying to ban protest. So it, it, it is not alarmist to say that this is potentially a very authoritarian step. And particularly when you're talking about you know, the capacities, which as yet are probably not even fully explored of this technology to recognize ethnicity or even what you're saying around mental illness or anything like that. Um, those capacities are worrying. I think one of the basic things that just bothers me about this, and I, and this is deviating from the, the, the hugely significant democratic point, is simply the money that would have to go into this when money on basic policing technologies that are urgently required isn't being spent. I mean, you know, I'm talking to police officers last week and they can't get funding for an electronic custody record, which would give basic information about people in detention. And they can't get that funded, but we might fund this, which would have to cost billions, I'm assuming. Oh, and you can be absolutely sure that big technology companies are given the hard sell to Angarda Shikona and to other state agencies around this already. So the resource issue is interesting because, you see, uh, uh, the other theme of the Garda Representative Association conference this week in this area was about the very real lack of resources in dealing with cybercrime within yeah. Garda Shikona. You know, it, it's been well recorded over a long period of time. They don't have enough staff or resources to in- effectively investigate cybercrime. And that's really important because of the real threats posed by organized crime online fraud and child sex abuse and other illegal materials. So there's a real deficit there. And we said, like, surely it'd be better to put the resources into that area. Uh, and I think the minister and some representatives of government have tried to make a link in saying, well, at least if we didn't have guards spending all this time looking at CCTV footage, they'd be freed up to do all those other things. But I, I don't buy that. I mean, no. I think this would be a very expensive technology. Um, there, there is a there is a further prospect here, though, that maybe some of this is already out there. We just don't fully know. And we in ICCL have been monitoring this issue for um, the last couple of years. And what we've what we've recognised is that there are facial recognition technologies being sold and used in Ireland already. Very often, the agencies that buy them don't know or understand that the cameras they're buying have this capacity. So they may not be using the potential, but it already is there. Mm. Um, and we saw a couple of examples where companies that main line of business was selling this technology into airports were also selling it to schools. We had a couple of schools in Ireland that bought these systems in good faith because they were told that they were 
very robust security systems and only afterwards uh, recognize that there may be data protection problems that they haven't fully understand. And like you can completely understand why a school principal, you know, wouldn't be aware of those things. Um, but, you know, these companies are selling to schools on the basis that this is your best way of doing a roll call, that you use a facial recognition technology camera to do a roll call as kids come in and out of school in the morning, you know, um, which might seem excessive to you or I, um, but uh, that that we know that those cases have emerged here. And we also know that in the procurement for the new uh, National Children's Hospital, that the camera system that was purchased initially for that was uh, from a company uh, that's Chinese-owned that um, had facial recognition technology in, in the specs for it. Now, when it was put to the National Children's Hospital, why are you buying facial recognition technology for a children's hospital? They said that that they believed it would help solve the problem of child abduction in hospitals, mm-hmm. you know, but it would involve recording the images, the faces of every baby born in the hospital. So, like, this stuff is already going on. Um, and maybe in bringing forward legislation in this area, um, maybe there is an eye towards what might already be happening uh, as well as what might be planned for the future. Okay, so is this a, a wait and see now until we see some legislative drafting in the space before next actions can be taken? Um, I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I, I think we immediately have launched a campaign this week. Um, I do not consent um, through our website and social media uh, asking people who, who share our views on this to to, to join with us. Uh, our friends in Digital Rights Ireland are also working on this. I know a lot of the legal academics in this area are also coming together on this. So I, I think it's very important that we send a strong message out to government at the earliest possible time to say that this is not acceptable and this is not something we want to see in Ireland. Uh, there's a whole lot of work to be done on providing, as you say, Vicky, providing the guards with appropriate technology, appropriate resources, which they badly need. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of work to make sure that the guards have proper data protection training and policies in terms of what they do now. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of attention would be better spent on addressing those problems. Um, but it's likely that this is going to be an area where there will be a ban at a European level in the future, which makes it all the more, um, you know, incomprehensible, really that Ireland would see, seek to do a solar run on this. I'm sure there are companies giving the Irish government the hard sell to say that this would be best practice and all the rest of it. But, you know, they have an interest in this and we shouldn't be driven by that agenda. We should be driven by the, the healthy culture of Irish policing, which is not about mass surveillance. Mm-hmm. And we should get our house in order on, on the other existing areas rather than going down this road. Okay, thanks so much, Liam, for discussing with us and um, encourage people to go see to ICCL.ie or to their um, Twitter or other social media sources to get on board with that campaign and just pick up what you can be doing at this point. Uh, we'll certainly keep following this issue with interest. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. And as ever, please subscribe at patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack to ensure we can keep bringing this content to you. Okay, take care.